Hey guys, welcome to the Journey of Ruth podcast, where we desire to see believers develop a deep and intimate love for Jesus and his word and inspire that same love within others through discipleship. I am your host, Courtney Loman. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm glad you chose to join us for this week's episode. Currently, I'm taking a step back for a few months to focus on being the best God-honoring mom and wife I can. However, we have had so many wonderful guests that I felt like we could still learn from the wisdom they shared. With that in mind, please enjoy this week's episode from the archives. I've had a cold, pleasant, and then I was like, he's going to think like I've been crying because I I did wonder that. (laughs) Did you? Because are my eyes bloodshot? Yeah. Yeah, because I decided to make salsa and then put my contacts in. (laughs) I'm an idiot is what that Um, means. (laughs) And my eyes, I like put put them in. I'm like, I can't open my eyes. So now my eyes are already like they were already bloodshot because I just didn't sleep very well last night because I'm sick. And then or even more bloodshot. And then I sound like I've been crying because I have a cold. So it's just like everything <laughs> not working out well to be like, I'm bright eyed and bushy tailed. Hi, hi, how right. are you? You know? Right. Um, wow. Yeah, everything's fine. <laughs> I was like, I get it. I mean, I see momhood is hard. <laughs> it is, you know. Um, I don't know that, but I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know that even from your wife? Well, I personally don't know. Oh. I've not experienced motherhood. Well, I... that's true. <laughs> that's kind of you not to assume that because I think there's some guys that do. They're like, yeah, right. momhood is hard. Like, oh, you know that. Like, Shut up, man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So thank you so much for being willing to talk with us. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. Um, so you are Jacob Hodge and um, I've known you for, I don't know, how many years now? I was thinking it's actually almost 10, probably. I've known you nine for 10 years? Just about probably nine, 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 definitely 10 for sure. Wow. So um, just for our listeners, I met Jacob because he was a student of mine at Peoria High School. Okay, wait, 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 wait. He was a student at Peoria High School. Right. You never actually took one of my classes, did you? Uh, I think I, I took guitar. Oh, that's after right. You I was already take playing guitar. guitar. Class. Yeah. That was fun. That was easy. Yeah, that was easy because you were like, yeah, I already know all the stuff. And then you were my TA one semester, mm-hmm. which meant you came in, you signed the board to tell me you were there and then went to the drama room. Right. Because that's actually why you were my TA. <laughs> right. Yes. There's a musical going on or something. It was mutually beneficial in the end. Yeah, exactly. So awesome. Well, um, for our listeners, tell us about yourself. What do you do? Tell us about your family. So I, my wife and I both, we work for the Navigators, which is in the branch that we work in. We work for collegiate ministry. So we work at the University of Arizona in Tucson. Uh, Navigators as a whole is international missions organization. So there's started in the military and it's overseas now. And there's, there's ministries with elderly people and in big cities and kind of all over. So um, but I'm originally from Phoenix and, uh, my wife grew up overseas as a missionary kid. Awesome. I think I knew that. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, but both of you went to U of A, correct? Mm-hmm. So she's three years older than I am. And so, um, she was in the navigators and she was a senior when I was a freshman, but then she stayed on, she went on staff. 
and stayed while I kind of continued on. And so we got to know each other through that. And then we got married and now we have, we've been married for, um, we've been married for two. Uh, why am I? Yeah. Two years. Uh, two and it's two and a half years. Remember this Jacob. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I'm normally not that guy. Uh, two and a half years. And we have an 11 month old baby girl, Ella Rose. Ella Rose. Right now her favorite word is wow. I saw that video that Shereen posted. It was so cute. Yeah. Wow. It's so, like fun to, so fun to watch them kind of grow. Um, so talk a little more about what your position is. Yeah. So at the U of A, we, um, essentially my, my title is staff in training. This is my third year on staff. So I'm kind of out of the intern years and, um, but I'm still on campus and that kind of looks like what we're going to be doing long-term Lord willing. Um, but my role is I'm overseeing kind of our, uh, one of the Bible studies on campus. I lead, um, with freshman guys, uh, disciple a handful of guys, five or six guys on a weekly basis. Um, I'm the, I'm kind of overseeing our large group meetings, which we call NAV, NAV nights. Um, and then part of that is I'm facilitating and teaching and growing worship leaders because I myself am a worship leader. And so I'm also teaching, uh, younger students, what that looks like. Um, so there's kind of, a, it's kind of like a Jack of all trades right. kind of thing sometimes. Kind of addressing what area students feel gifted in type of thing, following their lead. Yeah. So when it, when it comes to worship leading, it's nice to know, okay, you can sing and you can play guitar. That's really good. So I can focus on teaching you what are the, maybe not the logistics, but more the spiritual side. Like what does it mean to lead people in worship and not just musically. And what does that kind of look like? And mm-hmm. sometimes for students, if our, the ministry, we right now we feel like the ministry kind of needs a good push and um, growing in conviction of evangelism. So right now we're making a point to really model that for our students and take them with us and do it on campus and that kind of stuff. So it's a lot of need-based awesome. stuff. So now I know that the navigators actually um, play a big part in your story, in your faith story. Can you kind of share that with us? Yeah. So my, nobody in my family is a Christian. I didn't grow up going to church or anything like that. If you asked my family, they would, if you pressed them, they might say that they're Christian, probably just because in America it's the easiest response. But if we were in Mexico, they'd say they were Catholic or in India, they'd say they're Hindu. Um, and so I, I, was always interested in God, but I didn't think there was anything personal to know about him or for me. And so, uh, I grew up just kind of living for myself. And, um, my family has this phrase that they say, which is, if you're good, we'll keep you, uh, which is not a, (laughs) it's not a good phrase at all. My family Um, has the same phrase actually. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, well, and I grew up under the fear of not, not knowing anything else and not even really knowing it's bad. Like I need to be good. Um, and I need to look out for myself. And so, um, that's pretty much what I did. And I was set to go to uh, Grand Canyon university in Phoenix actually. Um, but I didn't want to stay in Phoenix. Uh, and the girl that I was dating was going to U of A and I was like, aha, it's the perfect combination for me to get out. So I, uh, I toured the U of A without telling my mom and got accepted. And then I told her and, when I got to the U of A right beforehand, I was hanging out with a group of friends and I had had a grand mal seizure out of nowhere. And, um, just I did not know this. Found... Yeah. Yeah. So this was this. right after graduating high school, I was at a camp leading theater kids and, uh, yeah, I suddenly just 
couldn't really look in the same direction anymore. And all I could say was, I can't, I can't, I can't. And I, I collapsed and blacked out and I was awake for probably about half of it. And when I woke up, the only thing I could think of was God save me. Um, and it wasn't for salvation. I didn't know the gospel. And, uh, but I really was terrified that it didn't matter who I knew or how good I was, or I, if I was going to die, I was not in control of that. And I didn't know what was going to happen after and that really freaked me out. And so when I, the Lord pretty much said like, well, come find me. And so when I got to the U of A, I was looking for something Christian, but didn't really know what. Um, and there was an event for a bunch of freshmen and I got a free t-shirt and long story short, I ended up in like a dark alley on campus <laughs> and, uh, these two large men turn the corner and like are approaching me. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to get killed before I even start classes. And they approached me and they said, Hey, do you want to join a Bible study? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> cause they... if you don't, <laughs> we're taking all your money. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but they were students, they were peers in the navigators who were standing in the crowd of seven or 8,000 freshmen, just asking people if anyone is interested in a Bible study. And I was ready. And so they said, there's one in your dorm. And I went and each week they were talking about a different characteristic of God, his goodness or his holiness or his judgment and everything. And uh, it was through that, that I saw the guys had a personal relationship with God and they weren't worried about being good enough to be kept. Mm. Um, and they were very open about things they were struggling with. And I was like, I identified with that. And it was very clear that I was different from them. And they, it wasn't because they shamed me. It wasn't because they did anything, but it was very clear and kind of made me ask the question, who do you know? Uh, and it was clear that it was Jesus. So they shared the gospel with me. Um, and then about three weeks into my freshman year, I accepted Christ in, in the shower of my dorm. And that was it. <laughs> so, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So obviously, I mean, it brought in you a response to do something bigger than just like, okay, accepted Christ and um, I'm good. I'm saved. Like right. what was it that kind of then kept you going? Then obviously yeah. it led you into leadership and then it led you into uh, where you are now. Yeah. I think pr the biggest thing was just the community that was there. The students and the staff really believe in, what is the word like what does the word say if this is god speaking he, he has spoken and is still speaking what does it say like i think it matters and seeing things in scripture about t sharing the gospel with other people and jesus um taking time to rest for himself or to pray or to um he knew scripture from memory and kind of all of these things that it was very clear and inherent in the culture like no, these are things we do because we want to know God. He's so good. We know Jesus saved us. And so we want to know him more. Um, and this is just kind of like naturally what happens. It would be weird if somebody pulled me away from a car that was about to hit me. And I said, hey, thanks. And I just walked away and didn't even care to get to know him. And so that was kind of the culture on campus. That's cool. I'm glad God put you around people that had that effect on you and that obviously had enough of an influence that you listen to them because you could have chosen not to listen to them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think they, it was considering, I think on a surface level, the life that I had before college was very 
nice. It was very good. And uh-huh. I had lots of friends. Uh, but it, it was clear when I met these people who were walking with Jesus that their life, there was so much more depth to it. Um, and it was a no brainer. I say that in the sense, I didn't even think about it, but it was like, of course I want to experience what you're experiencing. Cause I know my life looks nice, but it's really not that deep. So, mm. um, it was very attractive. Yeah. So you decided after college that you were going to continue with the navigators. So what mm. is it about the navigators that draws you to them and, um, maybe to their, um, to their ministry, process and that because there's lots of different college uh ministries out there why the navigators Mm. well first i think it's i mean i definitely have a personal bias considering my story that i just (laughs) feel like i yeah i just so appreciate the work that they do and i can get behind the vision because i was a i was a uh, not a product but I was saved through them having the conviction to be there. Right. And so it just made sense. Like, man, I want to be on campus, but particularly about their vision. Discipleship is, is kind of like the navigators drum that, that we'd be not as it's uh, superior to anything else, but it, we just see that it's the way that the gospel has moved and how the church has grown. Um, Jesus only had a handful of disciples and now people all over the world know him. Um, and it's mm-hmm. through people investing in others. And sometimes that looks like maybe just a few touches here and there, or sometimes it's deep, consistent time of correcting and enjoying each other and rebuking. And, and so I, I've benefited from discipleship in my life and it's very clear to me that it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and so second Timothy two, two says, um, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Yeah. And so you kind of have five generations in there with Paul talking to Timothy and he says, what you've heard from me, the presence of many witnesses. There's another one and trust of faithful men. There's another who will be able to teach others. There's another one. And so it's just, it, it makes sense. And I've seen it work. And so, uh, yeah. We could try to share the gospel with 50,000 people on campus, and we, we try every week to go out and share to the masses. But um, if I'm investing in a handful of guys and each of them is investing into, and those people are investing into the multiplication, just by math, it, it makes sense. If it works, it'll go a lot faster. Right. Hey, guys, I want to take a minute to tell you about the journey of Ruth inside look. The Inside Look is our newsletter that comes directly to your email box the first Friday of each month. The Inside Look includes a short devotional thought, a recap of the month's episodes, a few of our repostables or printables that you might have seen on social media, and insight into episodes coming in the next month. Sometimes I even need questions or feedback from you as the listener. It's in this newsletter that I post those questions and encourage you all to send me your input. If you'd like to receive the inside look in your inbox next month, please go to journeyofruthpodcast.com slash newsletter. Once you're there, you can enter your email and you're all set. I promise we won't spam you just once a month, an email full of encouragement and podcast info written just for you, the Journey of Ruth listener. Go sign up today and don't miss another edition of the Inside Look. Uh, 
I love the second Timothy verse because I agree it kind of shows this cycle aspect of discipleship and that if it's really truly discipleship then it doesn't just stop with you and that person that you're meeting with you want to see it go on to affect other people and I would love to even see like a family tree of discipleship right um The If Gathering did that actually last year at their If Gathering event. Um, They had women standing on stage and it's their, they had a paper that said, I'm here because of, and it said the name of the person. And Mm. sometimes it said the name of the person that was talking and then she had given another name. And so you know that you could like see like the different effects, almost like a Mm. family tree. And um, I'm like, okay, that's that cool. that is the picture of discipleship, which yeah, I think and is that's awesome. such a and that's such a great when you get to see it on that scale, mm-hmm. it's so what a great impact, like what a great thing to be a participant of. I think when some people think like, oh, discipleship, I guess it's just like this humdrum thing I have to be a, a part of, but um, but when I when you think about like thinking of a family tree or 40 years from now, what, what could your life look like? What could the ripple effect be of investing in a few and you get this generation, Mm -hmm. generation, generation, and it's really cool. And people, especially students on campus who want purpose and want to, you know, I want to live for something big. Yeah. When when we can give them that vision, it's like, you can, (laughs) and you don't have to, you don't have to get rich to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously discipleship is a big deal to me, but I know what it looks like in girl world. And that means like sitting, having a cup of coffee, talking with each other, you know, probably starting with like, how are the kids? Or if, you know, there's no kids, like, how are you? Have you gone shopping recently? Okay. So now tell me what it looks like in guy world. Cause I'm sure it doesn't look (laughs) anything like that. Uh, it depends. I think for when I meet with guys, I, we try to get them used to, let's sit down and let's make sure that you are comfortable sitting down face to face one-on-one with another guy, which is very hard, at least for, I mean, for freshman guys, young guys don't connect well with other men. And so uh, part of it is kind of, I'm going to sit down with you and I'm going to ask you how you are. And it might be weird for them at first. In fact, it almost definitely will be, Mm -hmm. but showing them that this is normal. It's okay for me to care about you. And it's, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you just even topically. So, because I want you to be used to being vulnerable and to sharing just randomly, um, with guys. And by topically, uh, do you mean like asking the same about the same topics each time? Uh, so there's the general, how are you doing? How's your day? How's your week been? Mm -hmm. Oh, that thing we talked about last week. How's that been? Um, when I meet with a guy, I'll consistently make sure that we at least talk about three things. Uh, we'll talk about scripture memory um what do they have a plan or are we doing something together um what's that what's that look like um evangelism that doesn't always mean running up to a stranger and sharing the gospel but mm-hmm. who are the people that you know that you're praying for there's is there a person in your class or someone in your family that you're praying for looking for an opportunity and then how's your how's your time with the lord are you having daily time or you know last week oh i only got two times in the word okay well this week what is it you know what could it look like for you to make make it four times to spend time with lord to 
cut out that time in your schedule. So yeah. okay. with guys, a lot of it has to be shared experience too. Men really bond over shared experience. Um, in, in college ministry, if we have a men's night and a women's night, the women's night is okay to meet in a room and just have tables and just hang out for mm-hmm. two hours and talk. And that's fine. And that's mm-hmm. like really good um, for guys we can have a little bit of that, but then eventually we need to go out and play dodgeball and I need to hit you in the face with something um, <laughs> or, um, or something like that. So, right. <laughs> hey, hi. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's, it's, it's a little bit different, but I think not as much as it can seem mm-hmm. at the end of the day. I want to know how's your relationship with the Lord and, let's do something together. Sometimes I took one guy and we got my emissions tested together. It was like, this is life. This is what we're doing today. Um, sometimes it's just having fun. And other times it looks like, you know, being really vulnerable and confessing some deep stuff. But right. um, the, the image of guys not being able to sit still or not being able to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. which is sometimes true, um, needs to just be broken because ultimately they need to, they need to share. And I want to hear, um, and they can't grow if they're not being transparent. Yeah. You mentioned scripture memory in there. Why is that so important? Um, there's there's kind of a, a phrase that we use, which we'll, we'll say uh, it's kind of like giving the Holy Spirit a vocabulary. Um, the idea is I can um, I can have a, an awesome Bible study with somebody and we can dive really deeply into the word and I could read something new and, and really learn a lot. Um, but the amount of long lasting impact that I can, I can experience from finding a verse that I, that I like committing it to memory and then choosing to mull over it and to uh, integrate it into my life um, has, I'd say hands down for me has been the number one uh, component. The best component of my spiritual growth has been scripture memory because hmm. Um, it doesn't just box me into a one hour or 30 minute or 15 minute time when I can read my Bible before Ella wakes up or before I have to go to work, but I can meditate on scripture when I'm walking around or there's been plenty of times where God will just pop something into my head that I've memorized. And it's very clear that he said, Hey, this is, I want to tell you this right now. Um, and it's not, you don't even have to question it. Um, so I, I have seen scripture memory be so impactful and um, some people like to say if you, uh, you know, if the Bible was banned tomorrow, would you have enough to be able to live, mm-hmm. you know, in, in your own, in your own memory? And that's for our country, I don't think necessarily a realistic outcome, but uh, a really good thing to ponder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it also gives you, just like you said, those moments where maybe your brain might struggle to find joy in a situation or you might Mm -hmm. feel a little panicked. It's amazing how a scripture that you've memorized in the past can come up at that moment and you can say, Oh, that's right. God said this. So therefore I'm okay. You know? And, um, so I definitely agree with you that God can use that and, and really the Holy spirit, right? We're doing a, um, Bible study all about acts right now. So it's talking a lot yeah. about the Holy spirit, right? That's cool. Yeah. And so he gave us that Holy spirit 
And the beautiful thing is that Jesus was excited about leaving because that meant he got to leave us the Holy Spirit. And so that's one huge way how I think the Holy Spirit can talk to us is through scripture that we've memorized. Like, hey, remember this? Remember this? And he can bring it up in moments where maybe we really could use some scripture, but our Bible isn't in our hands. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) So what does it look like to find a discipler as a man? You're wanting to be discipled or you're feeling like you want someone to just kind of talk through some of those life things with you, but you're not going to like go up to like some guy that you know and be like, Hey, so (laughs) (laughs) right. Yeah. Has that awkward moment. How do you get over that? (laughs) Uh, That's a good way to phrase it because I think the awkwardness sometimes you can't avoid it. Um, uh, I think what I look for when I'm thinking about somebody that I want to meet with first, I just think of somebody who do I, who do I know that's in physical, ideally physical proximity to me that I just really admire. Um, especially when it comes to their walk with the Lord or the way that they lead their family or, um, the way they minister to others. What are, who's somebody that I admire? Um, and then being able even just to a way to start would just be to say, Hey, could I, could I pick your brain? You, would you, be interested in grabbing coffee or something like that. I'd love to pick your brain about something. And even just having one topic or one something in mind, um, just to kind of get the ball rolling. Um, and maybe, maybe even just saying, you know, could I, I have some other questions. Could we hang out again? Um, it's really weird. And we do this with students. You can't say, Hey, let's meet up weekly. Are you ready to start now? Um, but we can say, Hey, would you like to meet up for lunch? And then after you meet up, say, this was really fun. Would you, are you free next week at the same time? And then so after so many weeks, you can say, you know, it seems like this is really a good thing. And I really appreciate this. And if this isn't a burden on you, I'd really love to just continue to learn and ask questions and whatever you think would be helpful for me. I'd love to receive from you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, to me, one of my favorite parts is being able to ask guys, what would you, what do you think would be helpful for me? Um, because it really puts it in their hands. And if they are wiser than I am, as they as they should be, then they'll know at least one direction of where I could grow or where they would want to take me. And that's always beneficial. Yeah. Do you think that it's important to set expectations when you're meeting with a guy like that? Uh, I think if you... It depends on how much you want out of it. If you're a guy who's looking just for some something small um then maybe not but i think most men i think all men should really have somebody that's ahead of them a few steps and so expectations would be you know i really i need some accountability in this you know there's i there's i'm angry or i am struggling with lust or i'm whatever Uh, there's some things that i really need some i need someone to speak into my life and so is that something you'd be comfortable with is a good question to ask. Um, or, you know, I, I really don't know anything about the old Testament and it just seems like Jesus talks about the old Testament a lot. I, could you help me with that? Is there a book you like or something like that? So it's always better to be more communicative with, with guys, but the expectations really should be, um, I think number one would be consistency. It doesn't have to be weekly, but something consistent that you can really rely on, um, is really important because, it's really hard to feed a tree if you water it one week and then three weeks later and then the next day and then two months later. It's it's just really hard to stay alive that way. Yeah, I have a garden that died because of that. 
<laughs> no more herbs at our house because that's how I watered my garden. There you go. Just think of a sprinkler system as like consistent discipleship. There you go. There you go. Nice. Very nice. Now, one of the things that I find is that sometimes you find people that are surrounded by these wise people, surrounded by um, individuals where they're like, okay, I could ask that person or I could ask that person and then they have to decide. And then there are other people that are, you, you make the suggestion, like look and find someone and they're looking around and they don't know anyone. And obviously if you're on a college campus, we can suggest going and finding a college ministry like the navigators on your campus. Um, Two weeks ago, I interviewed the director of the Christian Challenge up at NAU, and so that's another one. Um, But what if you're not a college kid? How do you find a person that could disciple you? Where do you you go even to meet people like that? Um, I think the best place would be a a healthy local church. Um, And if if it's a good church, which is kind of a whole other thing in itself, but um, there's presumably an elder board that would, would be good guys to start with, um, or even to look around. Um, you can, I think it's okay to have somebody if, if you don't know anybody in your physical area, um, but you have a friend that, you know, has a connection, the body's supposed to be able to function to help each other. So if discipleship looks long distance, um, if that's the only thing, then absolutely. Like we need that, Mm -hmm. even if it's long distance. Um, But I think it's so important to be connected in a local church and to find that. Um, And if you don't, I would say if someone doesn't see anybody that's spiritually ahead of them or spiritually uh, mature and, um, somebody that you respect in your church, then that might be a red flag because we want, we want our churches to be a church where um, I can look to a man that's older and say like, gosh, I want to look like that when I'm 80, you know, or mm-hmm. 40 for 50 or whatever. So um, I think it's really important to find because there are people out there, but truthfully, sometimes it's um, we've had people who just are not in, uh, spiritually not in a healthy environment or there's not people growing around them. And so they look around and say, I don't know anybody who's really walking and the encouragement might be, all right, next week, you and me, let's go try something new. Let's go find a new church. Let's go try to do something. Um, because there are people out there who walk with the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's part of, with this podcast, like what I've seen is I think I'm beginning to understand why people go to social media when they need advice. It's because they yeah. don't have these people in their their lives. Um, sometimes all they have are their parents, and so they're looking for advice that they might not necessarily go to their parents for. Right. Um, and so they, in all of the awfulness, go to social media <laughs> for that advice. And I'm like, no, 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 there's, there's better people to go to. Um, right. But I think that's a great suggestion of finding a local church. Um, when you're talking to these other students, as you're um, meeting with these young men, I'm sure that you're also looking for those that might want to just not be like a believer, but also want to be in leadership. So what, what qualities are you looking for when you're looking at a young man saying, it's very obvious that you want to do more? Right. Uh, for somebody who's interested in 
in leadership for us, I think the way that our ministry is set up, uh, we do ask that somebody is a believer. Um, because if you're in leadership, we want you to be leading. Um, the majority of the people in the ministry are believers, and so you can't lead that way if you're not a believer. Um, but we really try to find, we want to find people that are teachable and people that are humble and not because navigators has all the answers. Um, but if we, uh, as leaders, we need to be teachable, um, no matter how old we get or what renown we have or what position we hold, uh, we still have a shepherd above us that we need to learn from and submit to and to, um, just follow at times, even if it's not fun. (laughs) And Mm so uh, one of the qualities that we really look for is for people to be teachable. Um, A heart for people um, in Philippians two, it talks about counting others more significant than yourselves. Um, And that's just, it's impossible to love somebody well, um, especially for an extended period of time. If you're not humble and looking for ways to serve and looking for ways to sacrifice and, um, so it's one thing we really ask of the students and it's not like all of the students are, are, have made it, but something that we want to see, um, we want to see them loving each other and loving their friends and the people they're right next to, like their doormates and classmates and, and stuff like that. So obviously if you're, um, if you stir up a lot of conflict and drama and anger and stuff like that, we're still dealing with teenagers their first two years. So, uh, True. a lot of that is, uh, we'll still, of course we'll still bring them in, but it's usually harder for them because um, if they don't want to follow, it's really hard to be a leader and still follow somebody else. So mm. just a few things. Do you guys use the terms faithful, available, and teachable? Pat, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And well, and we've told our students, you know, if somebody's faithful and available, but they're not teachable, that doesn't mean you write them off instantly. You know, maybe you just give them some time, but, um, yeah, generally speaking, it's, if somebody's super teachable, but they're never around, it's really hard for them to, uh, to really learn and for you to really invest and feel like you're investing your time well. So yes, we do look for fat students, if you fat will. Students. Um, we use the book, the gentle art of discipling women in our discipleship ministry at church. And it was written by a lady who was a navigator, um, navigator leader for a lot of years. And so she used Jean Fleming. No, it's, um, I was just writing about this, so I should know this. Um, it's okay. Yeah. Anyway, I'll, I'll figure it out. Um, she uses the faithful, available, teachable. And we always talk about how that is the world's worst abbreviation for women's ministry. <laughs> That's very true. Very right? true. So we make a joke about it whenever we're leading um, a new disciplers class. We say, and now with the world's worst, uh, it's Dana Yeakley. Oh, yes. She's great. She and her, her husband, they're still with NAVS and they're amazing. Okay. Yeah. And, um, so I really like her book and we really kind of have used that to kind of create and shape our discipleship classes at our church. But, um, yeah, anyway, we always joke about the, the fat analogy, you know? Um, so what is your hope for students? They meet with you guys and not everyone's going to decide to go and further on 
their path with the navigators. So what are you hoping for them as they leave your campus? I think with college ministry, any college ministry, the focus should always be uh, when you graduate, dot, dot, dot. Um, With college ministry, you only have somebody for four years and you have a a quarter of your ministry turns over every year. Um, And so uh, what we're looking for, for, what we hope for and pray for for students is that they, the things that they learn in college would be essentially just things that they're building a foundation for that would continue for the rest of their life. Uh, we talk about if a student, if a student were to say, or graduate were to say, man, college was the best four years of my life. We think like, Oh, what a, what a miss, you know, um, things like having an impact in, in multiple people's lives and generations and stuff like that. We don't want that to just be a senior doing that with a few sophomores and freshmen, then it's done. Um, for someone to get extended time in prayer and to memorize scripture. And if it's just for a few years, then we're missing something. And so we would love to see students five, 10, 20 years down the road, finding them where they are um, and to see more people like them, essentially, um, as they follow Christ. Um, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so, you know, if you were to be able to put graduate student and, you know, and put them in, rural Michigan and come back five years later, like, would we be able to see more people like them? Um, That would just be, that would just be the best because we could know that that person is a mature believer who's reproducing the Lord and they are passing on um, the gospel and they're, they're saving lives. Yeah. Hey guys. I know there are so many causes and organizations that are needing help right now. Whether it's time or money, you want to make sure that you are being as effective as possible. Is it possible to fight hunger and poverty, AIDS and human trafficking at the same time? Well, I believe it is with Compassion International. When I began speaking with Compassion International about partnering with them, what I knew was that any child sponsored through Compassion would receive education, medical care, spiritual training, and food help. What I didn't realize is that it was so much bigger than that. Each child can participate in the Compassion Project that takes place at a local church in their town and is led by local pastors and leaders. And the great thing about this is that during the most recent COVID shutdowns, those families whose children were sponsored sponsored by Compassion, they knew where to go for help. And here's another set of cool things that we see happen for Compassion children. Those that are supported through Compassion are staying in school an average of a year and a half longer than their unsupported peers. They're 80% more likely to go to college and 18% more likely to hold a salaried position when they reach adulthood. And guys, poverty is one of the leading factors for human trafficking. So when Compassion fulfills their mission to release children from poverty in Jesus' name, they are in turn protecting children from possible trafficking. So how can you get involved? Go to Compassion.com slash Courtney Lohman. There you can see all of the children waiting for sponsors. Find a child that you fall in love with. 
and agree to sponsor them for $38 a month. And that's what it takes to do all of those things and change the life of a child is $38 a month. Once you do so, you can immediately begin corresponding with your child by letters. And those letters are a big deal, guys. Children that are involved in the program will sometimes keep all the letters that they get from their sponsor for the rest of their life because they mean that much. So don't wait. Go to Compassion.com slash Courtney Lohman and change a child's life today. With your students, are you guys encouraging them to also engage with the local body of believers while they're involved with the navigators or are you guys a church? We tell the students that we are, we are not their local church. Uh, they should be, they should be plugged into a local church. We as staff go to between all of us, we go to a few different churches uh, in Tucson. Um, again, back to the, when you graduate, it would be, we'd be doing them a disservice if we somehow took them away from the community at large and, um, people older than those of us who are on the staff team and um, just the reach that the local church has is something that we can't do. We can't go very far outside of the campus. And so, um, yeah, we tell them when you graduate, this is going to be who you're with. Mm-hmm. You know, we're glad to have you for a few years, but this isn't always how it's going to look like. And really college is kind of like a greenhouse effect where there's a lot of growth in a short period of time. And then truthfully, life just really kind of slows down in terms of spiritual, you know, discipleship takes a long time when you're not in college and discipling a freshman who's moving at a quick pace. Mm -hmm. And so it's like life, life speeds up and spiritual discipleship and stuff really slows down. And so we need you to be a part of a local church just to try to even get a sense of what that's going to be like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of why I asked that question is because that is important that you're involved in that local church, right? Because then when you're out of college and maybe you do move to a totally different state, you feel comfortable then going into a local body there because you've continued to be a part of a local body while being in church or I'm sorry, while being in college. Right. And we don't want people to, we want to be able to bless before the navigators were just a part of the body. And so we want to make sure that we're blessing the body and our students are going to be doing the same. So if someone gets a job and moves to Texas, we want them to not just get, go to a church and just sit there and leave, but to look for opportunities. Okay. How can I, you know, is there somebody I can help is who's somebody that I could ask to mentor me. Um, I noticed we're not doing a whole lot of evangelism. Could I help with that? Or could I ask questions? We really want them to be, bringing life to the churches that they're going to. Yeah, I love that. You may be able to answer this. You may not. Um, But just thinking about the fact that a lot of our listeners are female. Mm -hmm. And so with that in mind, they may be in a situation where they have a son or maybe even a husband who um, could really benefit from some discipleship. And, um, (laughs) you know, the Bible very specifically tells us not to nag our husbands about that, <laughs> right? right? So what would you do or what would you tell a woman that kind of has this feeling that, hey, I really would love to see my son pursue discipleship or I'd love to see my husband pursue discipleship. How can, how can we as women encourage them in that? Definitely. Um I think it's important even just to ask a husband 
you know, I have, I've noticed you haven't had any like just guy time, like time with your guy friends mm-hmm. um, and being able to make space for that. It's um, I think the stereotype is husbands are just off hanging out with friends. And while that might be the case, it is important to, uh, to make sure that they're getting time with other men. And that's a really easy segue to say like, you know, I, um, especially if, you as a wife or as a mom are being discipled or being mentored just to be sharing the things that you're learning and to be able to say, you know, this is really, I'm getting a lot of clarity and a lot of stuff or I have all these questions and they're not all being answered, but man, this is really helpful. Um, and just being able to offer, I think the, like you said, the nagging is, is, is different, but just offering is a really big thing. And I, I don't know this for sure, but I wonder if some wives or moms, are afraid of even offering for fear of nagging. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that's really important to do. Um, I would say, don't be sneaky about it. You know, Oh, there's this guy we should grab. I would say, just say, you know, I think this guy's really cool. What do you think about him? You know, um, or telling a son, we have lots of parents who will try to um, give their child slash student to us. And (laughs) we say, you know, thank you for that. But they have they're they'll have to make their own choice but we will absolutely you know if you give us their contact info we will uh, reach out to them and then we'll see what they see what they do so um i think Lady a lot of up it just at comes nau said exactly the same thing we cannot yeah. make your child come they yeah. are now in college <laughs> they are an adult it's true yeah and some p- parents will ask make sure that they come will you let me know and we'll say no we, no. we appreciate that but no um so I don't know if that's a I don't know if that's a great answer, but um, for a lot of guys, I think maybe feeling overwhelmed with working full time and then coming home and then focusing on family, it might feel like I don't even know if I have the capacity to do something like that. Mm-hmm. So wives and moms being creative, just to how can I make space for that, or who's somebody that I know can we double date with somebody and just pray. Honestly, prayer is probably the number one thing um, because just like with students, we can't make anyone do anything and that's even more true in marriage. And so it just is a lot of prayer. Um, yeah. That's a wise thing coming from a man who's been married for two years. <laughs> well done. Prayer is the best. Yeah. That is good. That's, <laughs> that is a good place to start with all things. Yes. Right. Um, so speaking of marriage, what does the future look like for you and Shireen? Oh boy. One day at a time, one kid <laughs> at a time. <laughs> Hey, I'm We've not asking one. that question. You won't hear that question oh, from me. Oh, oh, I know. <laughs> but I mean, um, you guys may not be at U of A forever. How long will you be there? Will you be there for forever? Or what are your plans? So we are going to be here at least for three years. We know that just by way of the training that I'm receiving and that kind of stuff. Um, the campus that we're at is it's kind of the track we're on. But mm-hmm. um, as it stands right now, we feel called to be doing ministry and with the navigators. Um I think I can't even predict in the future, but I think it feels like this is something that I, we just want to do for the rest of our lives. And that may look like different capacities, but when it comes to the work that we get to do uh, and we really do get to do it because we're supported by so many partners, um, it just feels like, man, we wouldn't want to do anything else. Mm -hmm. So it'll most likely look like going to a different campus down the road. Um, once my training is done, that might look like kind of pioneering a campus and starting a ministry just from the ground up, um, depending on where that is, who knows, but, um, it's exciting to think about. Uh, we love Tucson. Tucson is 
for both of us kind of where we really started walking with the Lord and have home and community. Um, but it's also interesting to think about where the Lord could take us next. So yeah, we'll see. And you guys are not paid by the navigators. Uh, yes and no. So we, we completely fundraise our salaries, um, and our benefits and everything. Um, when somebody gives to us, they give to the navigators and we have our own account within them. So the navigators does pay us, but it comes through the people that partner with us. Okay. So we're always fundraising and looking for more partners in that, uh, especially as our family grows and we move and stuff like that. There's always more expenses to be had, but God hasn't dropped us yet. And so we're just, we're just trusting him for who knows what. Awesome. Very cool. Well, we have two questions that I ask everyone at the end of every episode. So who is it that was most influential in your spiritual journey? I think I could, I could point to uh, two people. One that I, one person I know personally, and one person that I've benefited from their ministry. Um, Personally, the guy that led me to Christ who had my Bible sitting my freshman year, his name is Jeff. Um, And he also works with the navigators. um, And he, it's really simple. He's just been a guy who's been a step ahead of me in life and continues to model what it looks like to walk with the Lord. Hmm. Um, and so he was and still is the most influential just by way of his own life. Um, he's married. He doesn't even have kids. And so I'm kind of an awkward sidestep ahead of him in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it doesn't even matter because he's he knows the Lord. He loves his wife and he really cares for other people. Um oh. Francis Chan is somebody I've benefited from his ministry. Yeah. Um, reading a book right now that he's written called Letters to the Church. That's really um, thought provoking, really interesting, and really great. So that's his um, most recent just, one, right? Yeah. 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 And so I, especially as uh, being only one, two years in the Lord and stuff like that, I would listen to his sermons. And I think the thing I benefited most was probably uh, he's got this wake up kind of factor about him that's we're not just reading this word and it's not just humdrum and quiet and wake up this is seeing some real stuff and uh what does it mean to actually do this and so i've really appreciated that and i think that's impacted the way that i've met with guys cool awesome um and then finally what based on what we talked about today what would be one challenge that you have for our listeners memorize scripture that's uh it it just provides so much life and so much color that it, to me it's there's nothing like it right now i'm i've challenged some students and they've joined me we're memorizing through we're memorizing the book of james the whole book uh, we just yeah Love it. so so i'm the only other book i've memorized is second timothy and it's changed so much of my walk and so why not do more and it's not big we're we're taking a few verses maybe seven or eight verses a week so just mm-hmm. once a day and it's going to take us many weeks but it's worth it. Okay. So what does that look like? I mean, do we have to start with a full book? No, and no, no, no. How do, what, like, what are your, your Jacob's tips for memorizing scripture? What are they? <laughs> right. Um, if I could give one verse on scripture memory, that's worth looking at is Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. To okay. me, it's a step-by-step process. It says your words were found and I ate them and your words became to me a, uh, the joy and delight of my heart for I'm called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. And so first, your words were found. I can't find verses that I like or things that speak to me unless I'm in God's word. Mm -hmm. Um, And I ate them. 
it's I'm choosing to take this in. I'm choosing to memorize it, even if it's not the most impactful or, you know, it doesn't speak to every part of my life. I'm choosing to memorize. Mm -hmm. Um, And then what it does is it becomes a joy and a delight and it's life giving. Uh, And then the statement at the end is I'm called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Jeremiah makes a statement about his identity and about God's identity. And that's sometimes we try to jump straight to that, but Mm -hmm. we miss so much of the good stuff in between. Tips for memorizing. Um, there's always, uh, you can read it 10 times, write it down 10 times, and then try to say it 10 times. Um, that'll usually get it in there. Yeah. Um, I'd say for the for a, a week, the first week, just try to say it every day. Try to recite it every day. Mm-hmm. And make it something that you already do habitually, like brushing your teeth or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, assuming you brush your teeth every day, which you should. Um, people do. (laughs) So just incorporating it into the normal part of your day is going to be really helpful. Um, there's a there's a, an app that I will plug. It's called the Bible memory app. Um, the first 50 verses are free and I don't use this phrase lightly, but it is the best $10 I've ever spent. I'm assuming it's $10. Um, but you can choose a verse that you like and you can plug it in. Um, and it has its own way of helping you memorize, but it creates a review system for you. So mm-hmm. if you're not good about r- remembering or reviewing, I'd say scripture memory is 5% memory, 95% review. So many kids grow up in Awana, but then don't remember the verses because yeah. they just don't review it. And so this app is awesome because it'll create that review system for you and it's really helpful. So mm-hmm. I would highly recommend that if you're looking for an easy way to start. That's awesome. So they give you a couple verses for free and then you can purchase it and continue working through other yeah. verses. Okay. Yeah. And the Navigators does have, um, if anyone's looking to start, there's a thing called a topical memory system, TMS. Okay. Um, it's 60 verses, but there's there's a bunch of topics and there's just two verses per topic. And it's the way it's hmm. laid out, it's really straightforward. Um, it's really intuitive and easy to understand. And the verses are so helpful. And so when we get students... I'm walking through the TMS with a bunch of freshmen right now because it's just the easiest way to get them used to memorizing scripture and asking them, Hey, how's that going? What do you, has anything been sticking out to you? What have you been learning? And um, it's just a really great way to get them started. And it's not like, Hey, memorize the book of James, you know, it's something small, like let's just do one verse this week. And then the next week I'm going to follow up and ask, how'd that go? Right. So we're talking smaller verses to start with. And then after you've been doing it for a while, maybe then go with the book of James. Yes, I would. We talk about some students or some, not even students, some people have zeal without wisdom. I'm going to memorize the whole New Testament, but I've never memorized, you know, I haven't memorized five verses on their own or one verse on their own. And that's not helpful. So small chunks is always better. And God 100% uses single verses. Absolutely. I once heard David Platt do a sermon. Um, and he got up to teach. I was at a, a conference and he was the speaker and he got up to do his evening sermon. And so we're all expecting him to, um, deliver something, you know, extremely thought provoking. And, um, Mm -hmm. and he says, you know, I just, I just want to share from the book of Romans. We're like, okay, cool. And it was a missions conference, so it was a bunch of missionaries. And so we're like, yeah, we know Romans, right? So he right. starts, and um, you're like, okay, yeah, this is the first couple verses of Romans. And he keeps going, and he keeps going. And you realize, number one, 
he's not looking at his Bible. Mm. (laughs) Number two, he doesn't stop. He just goes. And he has the entire book of Romans memorized, and that was Mm. his sermon, speaking the book of Romans to us. And Mm. it was scripture come alive in a way that I have never heard it before, because it was literally like Paul was standing in front of us telling us this story right and you're like oh my gosh yes yes absolutely and it and i'm a baptist and so baptists tend to be very reserved and this was a baptist missions conference and you should have seen those baptists they weren't reserved in any way it was just so cool to see like the spirit move in such a strong way just and all he was doing was speaking god's word he wasn't adding any commentary he wasn't giving us any application it was just flat out memorized scripture and the power of it was so strong and so since then i've never memorized a whole book so good job with second timothy and uh good job with james but um I've always remembered that as a moment where scripture can really hold strength and it shows you that we, even though we do use commentary and we do use, you know, sermons and stuff to help us learn things, we don't actually need that, that God's word can be powerful in itself. Yeah. And And you can imagine in your, for all of you guys, that one hour, how impactful and the effect it still has on you guys. And that's in his brain all the time right it's just it's just rolling around in the life that that gives it's like holy cow right give me me some of that exactly (laughs) so if we have people that maybe have some questions for you or maybe even want to talk to you about navigators or maybe even someone who's like yeah I'd, i'd love to support them in their ministry how can they get a hold of you um well i think probably the easiest way would be email okay um my email is jacob.hodge H-O-D-G-E, at navigators.org. Um, and that's, I would be happy to answer any questions or anyone who's interested in support, I'd be happy to answer that as well. But uh, yeah, I think uh, the Navigators has a, a website, navigators.org, and they have lots of their resources on there. The TMS is on there. Um, the way we share the gospel, the bridge, the bridge illustration is on there with step-by-step tutorial on how to share your faith. And um, it's really great. And even finding a Navigator mission near you whether that's college okay. or uh, naval branch or uh, whatever, even if it's just uh, yeah, whatever it's on there. So it's really helpful. Awesome. And um, we'll go ahead and put all of these on our show notes so people can look there and be able to, you know, link straight to your email or link to the navigators page. So they'll be able to awesome. find you easily. So, cool. well, thank you very much. I appreciate you thank talking you. with us and sharing with us about your family and your ministry. Yeah, thanks for, this is fun. I like this. Yeah, awesome. Thank you for tuning in this week. I hope you're walking away with something to consider. If you like what you hear each month and you'd like to support the Journey of Ruth podcast, head over to patreon.com slash journeyofruth. For just $5 a month, you can help support the website, reduce hosting fees, and allow me the ability to be kind to our podcast guests. I'd love to interact with you during the week over on Facebook or Instagram at Journey of Ruth. You can also find me on our website, journeyofruthpodcast.com. There you can hear all of our past episodes. And if you're looking for a speaker for your future group events, whether they're live or virtual, I would love to get your group on the calendar. Just fill out the form under the speaking tab. I hope you guys have a great week. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I will see you on Tuesday in two weeks 
here on the Journey of Ruth podcast.